Welcome, welcome. This is Simply King Podcast, and this is your boy Rodney Perry King himself. And you just tuned into the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. And today is a special one. It feels like, you know, uh, almost a returning of love, if you will. Um, I actually met this young lady not too long ago, like maybe just a, a month and a half ago. And honestly thought it was an interesting concept of because, you know, I, I feel like I've met so many different types of podcasts over the years and their motivations are so interesting and very different. This is one that I think is a very unique pod, but not only pod, but a business owner who truly, truly is doing something to help a lot of people. So today, welcome the owner of Silken, the skincare brand, Erica Parker. How you feeling? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it was good to have you. Good to have you. So first off, I want to thank you again for uh, allowing me to grace, you know, put my little voice on your, you know, on your podcast behind the silk, if you will. Of course, you were amazing. Your episode got a lot of good feedback. I was surprised. I didn't know what to expect, but you did great. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad because, you know, when you said it, I was the first first man to be uh, interviewed as of, as of that time. Um yeah, I was like, all right, let's see. I hope they hope I don't say nothing crazy, but I think I'm pretty good. I think I'm pretty good. You, you represented them well. I, you know, I do what I can. And I'm, it's, I love that y'all chose the clip that y'all chose because <laughs> it was funny to me when I when I said it. <laughs> I meant it, but it's the truth. And I think that more, more people need to, you know, get into it, need to understand their bodies in a deeper way. You know what I'm saying? I get it if like, you might not have the tendency to do all the like try, you know, trial and error body hacking stuff that I think I'm into because I'd I be trying new supplements. I'd be trying new, you know, new things just to improve my quality of life because I can find a concoction that makes me feel good, that makes my skin better, that makes me, you know, all those things. Oh, I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to do it every day and I'm going to tell everybody about it, you know? But um, And I'm so glad that it came from man, though, because I feel like if I would have said it or another woman would have said it, it would have been a whole bashing of the genders thing. So I'm glad it came from you and not me. Yeah, no, no, no. Dudes do, dudes be dirty. And, <laughs> and, um, and I know this, and it's funny because I've, like, heard so many women speak to, like, when I've like said it out loud, like when I, while I'm making certain types of content, um, cause I remember I tried to make something that was uh, based in kind of teaching men particular things, like almost like kind of saying, saying exactly what it is without directly saying it, you know? Like Lily had uh, a series that I had called King's Cooks, where I was, I thought about just making it something, you know, cooking content. But then I was like, I need to add another element to this. So I was like, what if I can kind of add some little, you know, cathar- you know, a little bit of catharsis to this, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of get you to think, you know? And so Lily, one of the first, you know, the first episode was called Grits and Consent. Mm. Yeah. Oof. So it was like, okay. I'm making, so it's like I kind of tied in this idea of, you know, of grits and how people like grits in multiple ways and how the kind of through line was asking <laughs> how would you like your grits? <laughs> yeah. And tying the whole message all together about, you know, this is something that a lot of men have 
now complicated in this time that we live in. So it's like we need more, you know, direct situations going on. And um, just the conversation, like, if you're bold enough to, to desire a certain per- person in a certain way, you should be bold enough to say something. But um, that's a tangent. Back to you. So you are um, from the East Coast, specifically Connecticut, right? Or just uh, or New York New State. York. Shout out to New York. Don't disrespect me. Look, 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 I had to make okay. sure. Put some respect on New York, okay? I think I think y- y'all got all of it. <laughs> if there's anybody that gives respect, it's definitely New York. <laughs> y'all got all of it, you know? But okay, so what, what part of New York did you grow up? Oh, Westchester. Westchester. Right above the boroughs. Most people don't know where it is. So I like to say, like, we're right above the Bronx. We're, like, right there. Mm, Did you spend a lot of time in the Bronx? I sure did. (laughs) You know? Westchester is the suburbs, you know? Got you. Nice things to do. It's very calm. But, you know, that city life, that's where the outsideness takes place. I can can imagine. (laughs) I can imagine. I can imagine. Okay. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. I love New York. Um, I've only been once. And um, but I definitely want to go back. I think I'm actually I'm going back around around uh, Thanksgiving, coming back up there around Thanksgiving. Um, but like, it's a hell of a city though. Like, it, I, I get how people can have really you know real big personalities in a city like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot happening. It's a lot of stimulation. It's kind of hard to like not be like extremely multi layered and multifaceted in a city like that. I really enjoy that. Um, how did how did your upbringing in particular? Because you did you didn't go to school too far away either, right? Yeah, so I can't come for Connecticut completely because that's that is where I went to to college. Ah, okay, that's probably where my what's coming up in my in my mind. Then that's probably what that is. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, upbringing wise, um, typical like middle class family. Both of my parents worked really hard to kind of give me the lifestyle that I had. So um, I'm actually first generation American on my dad's side. Um, we're from well, his side is from Grenada, so I'm Caribbean American, if you will. Um, so like that work ethic of working hard for things was like ingrained in me. So I was always an honor student. Mm. Um, I had scholarships to every school that I went to. I wasn't. I've been in private school all my life. So like gotcha. being able to excel in that aspect, because not us paying for your education and you acting up, that wasn't an option, you know, so did really good in school. I was always a social kid. Mm. Um, I went to college um, on a scholarship to the University of New Haven. Ooh. I decided to be super extra. I was a forensic science and pre-med double major with a chemistry minor. And I graduated a semester early. You so Caribbean. You really, you like Caribbean, Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really representing, you know. With 13 jobs. Okay, basically. And yes, I've always had a very structured life. Okay. Um, and yeah, I think it really kind of gave me the like a really good perception of the things that I wanted to do. So like I've always mm. been like a disciplined person, but I've always yeah. been able to balance like fun and work. And I feel like that is like top tier. Like in college, I'm like typing a paper as I'm doing my makeup to go out on a Friday night, you know? So, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I think that's interesting. And um, and that's what you give off too, though. I don't know if you've ever been told that you do. You don't give off this. um this kind of, you know, just surface level energy or this surface level kind of dynamic to you. And to just know that all the things that you're already into just based off, because to podcast and to run a, a business, a whole skincare business, that's hell of an undertaking. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's possible. I, I, I truly believe in it. I, you know, I'm not one of those people who believes that everybody doesn't need a podcast. I don't think everybody deserves to, you know, <laughs> 
put their opinion out to the masses in that way uh, because sometimes those opinions really don't matter too much. But the cream always rises to the top, and I think that your you know it shows in who you are and what your you know upbringing was that handling something like this was something that was honestly in your range of genius. You know, um, I will say that uh, I love I love. I love Caribbeans because it feels like y'all are the, probably the best example of like having like strong culture, um, particular like, you know, outlook and values and kind of, you know, just like overall, just kind of family values be pretty interesting, you know? Um, yeah. But also to like not be so, you know, so deeply indigenous, like, you know, continental Africans, you know what I'm saying? It's like this real yeah, interesting, yeah, yeah. y'all really are like the in-between of like, you know, stateside born Americans, you know, native Caribbeans. And, you know, I don't know, it's something about that combination because y'all went through a similar thing that we went through, you know, like ancestors wise. Uh, yeah. you, you have a particular relationship with racism in a particular way. But I think that the thing that I think that happened for Caribbeans was there was some deep, pride you know in connection to y'all history that was completely that's obvious for obvious reason we can't connect with our history that deeply <laughs> in america we don't have the time for that yeah either. we don't really have it yeah we, we can we could you know trim around the edges and find the good spots but you know it's a lot of burnt toast yeah. and um while for so much you know caribbean history you know it speaks to you know independence and independence really meaning like the independence of these black people on this black space yeah. um the revolutions of so of certain you know caribbean nations and so it's it's interesting to me you know i always thought that the caribbean was dope for that reason because it's like it transcends you know everywhere y'all go it does uh you can feel it you know what i'm saying once you learn that about a person it's like mm, okay that makes sense that makes sense why you put all that hot sauce on it too <laughs> Um, yeah, it does set the tone. Oh, Grenada is the island of spice. That is what we're known for. So we do like it a little spicy. Shit. I look, I I ain't never had I ain't never had a, a piece of fish from the side of the road in Jamaica so high in my life. I'm just like, okay. they I was like, they put they this is regular? Like it could have got hotter than this? Okay. Yeah. We we on we on we going somewhere. We going somewhere. Um so to double major. In, <laughs> in forensic science that and... Wasn't, that wasn't the plan. Let's just make that clear. That was not the intent when I went to school. <laughs> okay. Well, that's okay. Yeah. But tell me, what were, what was your goal at first? Like, I, like so, what, what, was the, what was the idea around doing that double major specifically? Yeah, so I went, I studied forensics in high school. I had a chemistry teacher who really put me onto forensics. And I was like, oh, I love this. Mm. And then, you know, I would binge watch all the crime shows. And CSI. All those so it was about, exactly. So like my sophomore year of college is when they start, I went to a college preparatory school. So okay. like senior, my sophomore year of high school, they're already prepping you for what you want to do in college. Mm. So I had already decided that, okay, like I want to do something in forensics. So I had went to the University of New Haven, um, because they have the best forensics program like on the East Coast. And I actually turned down a full ride to Princeton, fun fact, in order to go to yeah, UNH to study their forensics program. Um, they have Dr. Henry C. Lee, if you're into the sciences, he's like a big forensics guy and like his college is on the University of New Haven. So I was like, I gotta, I gotta meet this guy. I gotta take his class. Damn, he cold as hell. He he got a name of his college. He got a name of a college, and he still worked there. That's crazy. Yes, that's crazy. He does like one one class like 
a, a year and it's like you have to get into his class if you're into forensics so mm, that's dope. you decide to go to university of new haven my primary major was forensics by my sophomore year uh, my advisor was like listen like you have a lot of overlapping credits if you take like an extra like eight you know classes or so you can have a whole nother degree in pre-med so I was like, well, eight classes. I was like, that's a lot. I don't know. That's but, a lot. you know, the Caribbean in me was like, listen. Well, I can do we it. We can bust this out. Yeah, I can do yeah, it. We, we can do this. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, all right. I took a couple of summer classes. I took maybe like two or three summer classes um, throughout my duration. I was able to really achieve the double major. Um, and then along with that came a chemistry minor that just was like a, a complimentary add-on for all the extra credits I had. So I was like, all right, perfect. Mm. So my goal was to be a forensic coroner for the FBI. That's always what I wanted to do post spent some time working for the crime scene lab in Mount Vernon, um, where I currently live in Westchester. Oh my God. Um, and it was a very humbling experience to say the least. Snap. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I mean, I bet it was humbling. Where were you good around, <laughs> um, you know, when you're good around the, you know, the, the bodies, I guess. <laughs> I don't know any other way to yeah, say it. Did I, you I get to that level? That. You didn't get I to that did, part? Yes. I did. I did. So okay. even before you graduate, you have to do like similar to med school where you have a residency yeah. Like when you're taking a forensics or a pre-med course, you kind of yeah. have to go through that same kind of concept. Like you have to spend time in the morgue and you have to do an internship at, you know, somewhere else. And, mm. you know, you kind of like go through you kind of have to go through the motions beforehand before you can even graduate that, with that type of degree. So the body fluids, the blood, the smells, all that stuff I was already prepared for. Um, but I okay. think what I wasn't prepared for in the real world was the sporadicness of the work. Like what? you can't, you can't plan when crime happens, right? So if there's uh, like a, a shootout at 1 a.m., you're basically on call all the time. And I think that's where I was like, oh, mm-mm we not doing this. I mean, <laughs> not for me. I, you, you would think, you know, somebody passed, somebody died a day. You would think, you know what I'm saying? They died. What, what, did, what, yeah. did, uh, what was the line from, um, from paid in full? People die every day. <laughs> because every day. So yeah. you would think, I would think if I did the same thing, I'll be like, oh yeah, it's, it's, I'll, it's more than likely going to be about units, maybe slower days or whatever, whatever, but I'm probably mm -hmm. always going to be working. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to be doing something. Yeah. Um, so how did you pivot? So um, I pivoted from crime scene field work to going into the toxicology lab. So I was like, all right, field okay. work, not my thing. Let me go into the lab. It's a lot more structured. Mm -hmm. So I spent some time working in the toxicology lab. I was actually out on Long Island. Okay. Um, and yeah, like life, life was good. I was enjoying it. You know, good pay, consistent schedule. Everything mm -hmm. was good. Um, and then this is maybe about three or four years post-grad. And I yeah. just like had this feeling of like emptiness. I was mm. like, this is great. The money's great. I'm on a great trajectory. For sure. You know, my plan was to go back to medical school and, you know, get my MD and do something amazing with that. Mm. But then I just felt like this emptiness, like I just wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I was like, I cannot see myself doing this for the next 30 years. There has to be an alternative. Mm, 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 mm. And I was like, I, I need to pivot. I, you know, I applaud you for being in that position because I tell people all the time that because um, like for anybody that, you know, had, that has been following my story, when I left, I made an episode and kind of, you know, spoke to my journey through, you know, my exit strategy, my overall planning around getting to uh, this entrepreneurial type of life um, and out of corporate America. Um, I always tell people that it feels like, you know, sometimes the best time to leave is when you're in your height, you know, when you when the things are really going great and going good because of um, that space of clarity that you can get, you know, because you are stable. And so, you know, that the feeling or the itch that you don't want to do this, 
or you maybe want to do more or you just are questioning what it is that's next. I think that's the best place to be just because it's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're not um, in duress. You know, it's real easy to exactly. hate your job, not have time, be tired as hell and be like, oh, I need to do something else. <laughs> I need to do something mm-hmm. else. But when you actually, you know, if, if even halfway enjoy what, you, you know, what you got going on, then it's like, yeah, let's get into this. You know what I'm saying? Let us truly, truly tap into all of ourselves when we are all alone, stable, not stressed, all those things. What do you really want to do? And it comes to you and it's going to keep coming to you. Like, mm-hmm. do you really want to keep doing this? Exactly. Do you really want to keep waking up and, and getting up and doing this? Do you really want to have these type of schedules? Like, what is it that really is going to fulfill you? And I think that's honestly the gift of, um, I think, our, you know, our generation, uh, if the generation prior to us, you know, really showed what work ethic can look like and and how, you know, certain family values and sacrificing and switching up so many things like dealing with adversity, I think is what came from a lot of our parents generation because um, they figured it out. They a lot of them just figured it yeah. out. A lot of our parents generation really like my mom tells me the story all the time about her going through papers and finding like her old check stubs. And she was like, in yeah. 2012, I was making 20 thousand dollars <laughs> i was like for real mom mm-hmm. and i was she was like, i had two kids i don't know how i was i don't know how i was yeah like, i don't know how i was like doing anything with y'all i had a mortgage i had all yeah. this going on i'm like that but is crazy that i think it makes me very proud about our people like we yeah. always figure it out at the end of the day and you know it's so hard being in a position where you're trying to find your purpose right because you feel like like you said you have this itch and you just want to do something else yeah and like you don't really you can't really explain it to other people because it's like it sounds crazy you know it's like hey like i have a great paying job i have these degrees but i kind of like just don't want to do this anymore yeah you know what I mean? It's like, it's hard to explain to other people. And it's like, I feel like I have a higher calling, but I don't know what it is yet. But I know I'm not supposed to be here, but I don't know where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's like hard when you have these feelings internally, it's hard to explain to other people. So you really have to come to a place when you're ready to, where you're ready to bet on yourself. Basically. Yeah, this is true. This is true. You know, Do you, you're, not, you're probably not going to get the support that you're looking for because it doesn't make sense to anyone else but yourself. Facts. And I think that that's the hard part. That's so deep. Because once you start making a, a decision that's really based on you, like this might not even be a dream that you've spoken to that much to other people. You know what I'm saying? This really this pivot might really throw everybody off when you pivot because it's like, hold on. You had a you were doing what you were doing this and now you want to do what? You know what I'm saying? It, it's, it's real big. Like, hold on. That ain't nothing you ever did. Like, I get it. You know, you got you got good skin or whatever, but you trying to. What you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, you got this good job. Running a business. Yeah, you you got this good job in Long Island. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Checking the blood and and the fluids of people. Exactly. And that's that's sometimes like a nice, good, cushy job. You feel me? Right. Why are you trying to mess that up? Why are you trying to shake up your life? You know what I'm saying? And accept some Mm -hmm. different version of it. But, uh, I mean, you did it in the probably the most, you know, dramatic fashion. You started a business in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah, so so, I, have to, I have to I have to give context to it, right? So like I knew I was gonna leave. I knew I was gonna leave the lab, right? So it's like yeah. okay, bet. Um, I didn't have a plan set out or anything yet. And then like while I was kind of in this world when I'm trying to figure out what my next move was going to be, um, yeah. my dad passed unexpectedly. Oh my and god! And that just like threw everything for a loop for me. Oh my and god! And I think that situation I think really triggered my 
my eagerness for entrepreneurship. Like my dad was a hard worker, like this man yeah. sacrificed to make sure that I had everything that I needed. Yeah. And I remember when he passed, maybe like four days later, you know, I was like snooping on Google and I saw they had his job listing like already posted. And like maybe before we had even gotten him in the ground, you know what I mean? Like his job position was filled. And I was like, wow, like mm. this man worked for this company for how many years? And like within a week, he was literally replaced. And it's like... I think for me with entrepreneurship, I was like, oh yeah, like we are very indispensable and like no one's going to care about you besides you. So then there became this balance where there has to be an other, another way where I'm not slaving for a company that I'm so replaceable yeah. and this balance of having to prioritize myself and take care of myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, all right. And maybe like two, three weeks after that, I literally up and quit my job no plan, living off my savings, didn't even tell anyone that I was quitting my job. I like hit it. Like when people would call me, I would like, oh, like, you know, can't talk at work, like literally kept this facade that I was still at work for like months. Mm -hmm. And I like went and just traveled. Um, I took like six months off and I was like, I really just need to figure out what my next move is going to be. Like, I what is my oh, purpose? What this. do I want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Do not recommend quitting. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. No, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Financial advice. No, no, no. I, I, I'm, only, I'm only loving this because I know how it is. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> Would have been scared as hell. But it, but it worked itself out somehow. Yes. So like I quit and then I, I just found so much clarity on this little sabbatical. Like Man. I, to be able to wake up what I wanted and, you know, take some time and really just think and meditate mm. and pray and journal and brainstorm and be creative Oof. and kind of just like tap into the side of myself that I wasn't able to do for a long time because I was just so book strong and it just opened my eyes to a whole new perspective and that's basically where Silken came from so after my six month sabbatical this yeah. brings us to like January February of 2022 so I'm like all right like you know I had my six months let me kind of you know I knew what I wanted to do I knew I wanted to start some type of business mm -hmm. But I was like, all right, let me go back to work, you know, make some more money because now my savings are basically dry. For sure. And let me start working to make some money so I can start my business. And then the Rona came around and like basically killed everything. So like my what was supposed to be like a six month sabbatical became like a year and a half long, Ooh. you know, just like time off period. So the timing was just hilarious to me but whatever that, that it all worked itself out <laughs> yeah no uh, and, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. no go ahead Oh, I'm going to say, and that's where, you know, Silken was born. So like, I knew I wanted to start a business and then the whole self-care concept with, you know, just kind of seeing what happened with my dad and how I knew impor how important this is for us as people to really take the time to prioritize ourselves, because I think we get Sex. so caught up in this grind hustle culture. And it's like, that's great. And there's a time and a place for that, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. And throughout that journey, we have to be able to prioritize time for ourselves and make sure that we are good. Yeah. And that's basically what Silken represents. I love that. I love that. And like more more about that, because it was something that I actually like got from your website that I just really loved the way you put it. And um, I took this screenshot of like just the philosophy of Silken, you know, mm -hmm. our philosophy, you know, that, that part of you. Um, and it says that uh, Silken is a brand built with intention. Here are the principles we consider daily, you know kindness mm -hmm. and then you gave these like great like you know little blurbs about them too kind of incorporated into your uh, thing and i just i don't know i just want to share it with everybody but kindness to be kind to oneself to others and to the environment inclusion uh, to create a platform to for all shades and hues to feel represented while creating creating solutions that center a wide range of skin concerns transparency 
to be transparent about our products, pricing, values, business practices, sustainability, uh, and impact. And I think that those, you know, five things, I don't know, I just, I don't know, they really resonated with me in terms of like a new company, you know, and I think that it's a great trend and a great, you know, foundation to base so much off of, because I think it's such a, it's such a, you know, just some like theater now to kind of put out these really lofty missions and goals and standards and culture for companies these days, you know, and um, a lot of them don't hold it up. You know what I'm saying? Plenty yeah. of them don't, yeah, you know, plenty of them sit there and say, we'll give you great service. And then they're one of the worst, you know what I'm saying? Um, but it seems like you are really, you really were able to really meditate on exactly what you wanted your company to, you know, to represent and exist in. And, um, and I really love that because I think that, um, just what you exude and just to also get the that beautiful story you just told about how you got to this point, it all makes sense how you are here now, you know? So what was it, what is it about, first tell me about the name, how'd you come up with the word, how'd you come up with the name of the company and what was the, the first kind of lesson that you learned in starting your company? Yeah, so I was looking up words that just kind of represented, I guess, where I was, you know, and I think it's also a representation of like the generation that we're in. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for words that kind of go with like soft and mm -hmm. lustrous and mm -hmm. relaxed. And, you know, I was just looking for words that really just like emulated that because that's just kind of the space that I was in, you know, I was kind of like taking a step back from that grind perspective and really yeah. kind of focus on my soft era, if you will. It sounds cliche, but I guess that's what it would be called now. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so I was looking up all these words and it came up with like silk. And I was like, ooh, like I love that. But like silk just sounds so basic. Yeah. So I just started playing around with words and then like silken kind of just became what it was. Mm -hmm. um, silken with two ends because like me and my dad have, um, I'm named after my dad. So both of us have the same initials, Edric Nathaniel and Erica Nicole. So I put oh. the two ends for Nathaniel and Nicole. And I just felt oh. like that was a cute way to honor him. <laughs> Girl, I did not know that. I love that so much. Yeah. And you know, yeah. everybody, everybody, everybody will be too proud to be named after their daddy. So that's a good thing to hear. <laughs> for real, for real. Yeah. And that's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it, name my Erica. It's better than what they wanted to name. It's better than what they wanted to name me. What so they wanted to name They were going to go with like Amber or something like that. And I was like, I just don't see myself as an Amber. I nah, know. I get that. No I get shade that, to though. Amber. But no, no shade to Amber. This is my vibe. Yeah, yeah. Ambers, Ambers are interesting, you know? Ambers are interesting. I yeah. get that. Um <laughs> Oh, but I, I love that, you know, you, you decided to get into, you know, step your hands into this. Was it a, what was the first kind of like, I guess, hard or interesting lesson that you learned once you started the company? Oh, biggest lesson. You have to be careful who you trust. Like mm. trust is a huge thing. So like, in the beginning, I made a lot of novice business mistakes. Um, I've lost a lot of time. I've lost a lot of money. That's that's real. Yeah. Like, so spending money on like bad manufacturers and like partnering with agencies before I was ready, who made all these big promises. Mm. And, you know, it was a very humbling experience to say the least. I got you. So I think I have, you know, really become a lot more experienced in my entrepreneurial journey where like, there's just certain criteria that I look for. Um, I'm okay with saying no or passing on opportunities. I'm a lot more conscious of the people that I do business dealings with mm -hmm. um, and also understanding that not everyone's going to, you are going to have the best interest of your company at heart at all times. And not yeah. everyone is going to share that same sentiment. Facts. So that's been huge. Facts. Would you say, cause I think that, you know, this is my, uh, my last kind of specific silken question. I think that um, 
so much you can say about like you know the mark the, the market of today in terms of beauty and beauty products and all these various things what made you still very motivated to create you know a skincare product um, and a skincare line if you will um, in, a, in, a, in a space where it's so many things like we have you know almost 100 year old you know makeup and beauty companies and all these various things like there's these giants that are a part of this industry that take up so much space and there's definitely a a, a blooming you know independent you know um, mm-hmm. you know goods makers that are like really kind of you know taking charge and kind of you know taking up more of the market share what was it for you that motivated you to see the space as something that you still deserve to be in and that feel like you need to fill in the space that you were kind of meant to be in. That's so funny. I love that you asked this because like that was one of the main pushbacks that I got from people like family mm-hmm. and friends when I said I wanted to start a skincare brand. It's like, oh, there's so many other brands out there. How are you going to compete? Blah, yeah. blah, blah. You ain't not Zima. And my, right, <laughs> you know, like they have so much more support and backing than you. You're there yeah. to crush you. Yeah. And I, my response was really was, you know, can't nobody do it like me. Like no one has my story, no one has my vision, no one ha- these these brands don't have the same things that I bring to the table, so it's not even a competition because we're in completely separate lanes. If that's just the way that I think about it, you know. And I think there's been a very big rise in indie brands, especially with the millennial and Gen Z generation, because I think that you know we as a generation are tired of like you know big name brands who don't really have our best interests at heart, where people like us are not represented at the top and they don't make decisions that are in our best interest. Um, And we really want things that really cater to our needs and wants. And we want to purchase from companies who share our same values, who um, take the time to listen to their consumers. Um, And I think that's where small independent indie brands really thrive. Yeah. And I think that was really my motivation. It's because like, I know that my story is a shared story with, with so many other people, with trying to find our purpose and figure out what we want to do and trying to prioritize ourselves and dealing with all these other things. Like, I was like, I know I can't be the only person dealing with this. Mm. And where Silken came from was from a space of just trying to help, basically. Yeah. Um, and for me, throughout my uh, my struggles and, you know, like my grief and finding myself in all of these things, like skincare was just like a consistent thing for me. Skincare was something that helped me reset and kept me grounded and yes. allowed me to be intentional. And I was just like, if skincare can do this for me, yeah. then I'm sure, you know, creating some type of routine with skincare can help other people do the same thing. Mm. So, you know, there was a lot of thought that went into our branding and our messaging and our formulation um, to make it inclusive and like all these other things. And the way that I wanted to create the brand in a way where, you know, we can have a very tight knit community and, you know, I can really hear what people have to say and listen to them and be extremely engaged and hear their stories. And, you know, there was just so much that went into it that I know that these big brands couldn't provide because they just don't have the capacity to based on the way that they execute their 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 brand plan mm. um so i knew that that made me different and i kind of just rolled that until the wheels fall off and that's still what we're doing today i mean you know kudos to you i appreciate you giving me that answer because i think it's um it feels like you were ready for it that was so goddamn presidential that's so dope <laughs> girl i swear i was also like damn she really answered the fuck out of this question like i gotta tell her <laughs> but no for real i think that um that's beautiful because i think that so many people need to understand that to do any business, to do anything. You have to understand what your overall individualized competitive advantage for your company, firm, brand, whatever is, because there is some level of individualism with all these things. It's you have right. to like to imitate and emulate are both still actions. You don't you're not just you don't just start that way. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like you don't start a carbon copy of something else. You have to 
actively try to be a carbon copy of something else. So that means there are choices to be made, you know, that can be truly original and based on your own inspiration or truly just grabbing and taking everything that you see around you, trying to create the, you know, the best Frankenstein uh, product, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. appeals to everybody is this catch all that maybe still is hard to push. Um, I really mm-hmm. do. I really do love what you said about, you know, self-care being something that was, you know, truly a, a, a steady routine thing that kind of aided your self-care, um, because I think it was mm-hmm. same, it's, it, does, it does the same thing for me. Um, I know that if I'm off, you know, if my skin's breaking out or if I'm off of my routine mm-hmm. in any way, that always is the best indicator for me, especially when those times are, you know, when you're just in the in the, you know, the monotony of life, you know, you're just in yeah. your rhythms, you're working, you're, you know, you're going, doing all your things and you realize like, dang, I really haven't, you know, tended to myself in the same way. Like, damn, when the last time I masked, when the last time I did, I ain't done this in a minute. I used to be on yeah. a roll, mask on Wednesdays and Sundays, do this, do that. <laughs> but I used to have a whole little thing just in my head, you know, just, it was like yeah. clockwork. But the fact that I haven't, I can't even remember the last time and like, how long has it been this way? It makes you, you know, have this real internal check uh, with yourself like, oh, okay, how am I feeling? What am I not really acknowledging right now? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think all that just helps. really communicates with us. I think people don't realize that. Like when you break out in certain places or based on the way that your skin is reacting to certain things, like your skin will tell you when your body's off. If you're not eating right, if you're not drinking enough water, if you're not working out the way that you're supposed to, your skin will tell you. And I think that's just, it's a great place to start if you're trying to figure out a self-care routine. I agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, go get some silking, y'all. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> heard it here. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you, heard, you heard it. You heard it here first. But to stay on the conversation of, you know, overall kind of like the beauty industry and the beauty and like also beauty culture, I think that we live in a real interesting time today where um, basically we have this. We, I think I think everybody probably thought that, you know, the idea of beauty standards was, you know, at its peak. We have supermodels. We have people getting paid for looking good. We have people that are being prioritized in some way, shape or form because of their aesthetic. All these various things, high fashion, so on and so forth. But then social media came out. And I think it created another layer of something that nobody really thought about in terms of you know, seeing yourself in like, I, I can only imagine the like degree of like diagnosed, like body dysmorphia that we could probably like connect to like the initiation Don't of all these different, started. you know, of all these social medias. And, you know, cause I can imagine that's what like magazines and these particular ads have probably did in small doses over, you know, the span of so many decades. Um, to everybody, you know, to it's it's really put this idea that this is what looks good and this is what doesn't, and it, it's end of you know it's different from country to country, culture to culture, but it's still a thing. Yeah. Um, I think that with social media, it's now became this almost global, you know, idea of like this is what the most beautiful person looks like, and if mm-hmm. the closer you are to that, that is who you are. And the crazy part about it is, it's such of a a hodgepodge of things like in terms mm-hmm. of conversation it's 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 you know unfortunately crossing intersections that nobody really thought it would from the idea of black fishing yeah. to the idea of you know like like is what is up with this you know peculiar level of tanning and all these various mm-hmm. things to give a certain look 
you know, not even yeah. not even touching the like the you know plastic surgery the element of culture. it. You know what I'm saying? So it's like <laughs> yeah. it's so many things. Even just the the return back to a smaller frame, yeah. like that being the one that's in style now, and not just like the exactly. the bodacious body. It's like oh, so you really if this is the game you in, you this is for life. You got to be ready yeah. to switch it up like your hair. Switch it up at any time. <laughs> Do what? What would you say is the uh, is the impact, or how would you how do you consider that when it comes to silking in yourself? You know what I'm saying, like how you consume these <sighs> things, because it's a difference to you know kind of already have a strong mind and kind of already you know think of yourself, but you, this is your business, so you kind of got to yeah. interact with the idea of like how people are seeing beauty and what they need and how your company plays a role in that, right? Absolutely. So I have such a love hate relationship with social media. I feel like it has become such a very interesting place, right? Because we can't lie that social media doesn't have an effect on beauty standards and our perception of like what's trending, so to speak, right? Like we have to acknowledge that for what it is. And it's unfortunate that we have, you know, some of these bigger players in the game who really craft this representation of what beauty looks like, you know, you know, the Kardashians, right. And this trend of like, um, what rapper baby mama culture, you know what I mean? Like, especially as women, like, yeah, like we have these role models or influential figures that really set the tone for, you know, what beauty looks like. Um, but the uh, that, and that's like that's like would be the negative side, right? Like all of the things that come with these um false body images because perfection doesn't exist, right? Yeah. But then we have this flip side where we have this authenticity that social media allows us to have, mm. right? And it allows us to build connections yeah. and everyone has a platform now to share their story and speak their truth. Yeah. So I feel like we've also seen a shift in like this desire for authenticity. For sure. Like that's why TikTok did so well when it came out, right? Like people were hopping on TikTok with like bonnets and robes and whatever on just chatting they stuff. I literally said it in know? a consultation I yesterday. <laughs> I was like, TikTok, yeah. you can literally you know? blow up on TikTok wearing your bonnet every day is what I said. Exactly. <laughs> so it's so true. So like, it's like this, this double-sided coin where yeah it can come with all these negatives if you're not aware with what you're feeding yourself and if you are struggling to figure out your identity and who you are as a person right because if you know who you are and you know what you stand for and you know what your values and beliefs are you you know it kind of gives you a little shield against like a lot of the the media that's perpetuated on yeah. social media yeah um so that would be like you know like the negative side but like when you have this new thing of like authenticity and all of these things that people are craving it really creates a very unique opportunity right and that's how i look at it in regards to silken we now have a platform where we can really um, showcase the diversity and the authenticity and all of these things that we stand for, right? Yeah. So, you know, not airbrushing our models and photos, right? And showing transparent, what tra- real skin looks like. I'm big on that. Like, that's a big thing for me, like highlighting real skin. Yes. You know, real skin has texture. Real skin has acne, hyperpigmentation, mm-hmm. all of these things. Yeah. And that doesn't need to, that doesn't need, because it's real. Like, that's real. Like, is my skin doing better now than it was before absolutely but I still get flare-ups I still get pimples I still have things skin concerns that I have to deal with and I feel like that's where silken really thrives is this balance between authenticity and what we perpetuate on social media and in our brand identity and our image and what we stand for and we're also be able, we're also able to take it a step further by creating formulas that are um, cater to common skin concerns, right? So we're helping you on your skin. We're not telling you to hide your skin, right? Yeah. But we're here to help you along your healthy skin journey. Thanks. And, you know, Silken is very of the external beauty, which I love. And then we were able to complement that on social media with the podcast, with Behind the Silk, where we're able to have these deeper conversations about inner beauty and wellness and how all of these things tie back into the main, the main concept of what beauty really looks like from a surface level and mm-hmm. going more than skin deep. 
Girl, you are so presidential. I swear, I love this. I love this about you. <laughs> you going so far in life because it's, it's so good. This is just so great. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I love I love language. I love conversation. But you are certainly a natural at uh, communicating exactly what you want to say. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm really you. enjoying I'm really enjoying this conversation in a real like nerd <laughs> podcasty conversational type way. But I I, I feel you though because like I think that you know. It's an interesting time and I've like had so many conversations because I have, you know, a very large, you know, follower base that is women. It's been a question that's been asked to me a million and one times, like, you know, all, all various different types of questions. Well, how do you feel? Mm-hmm. Are, you know, honestly, I use don't ask men this, but you seem like a man that would be able to answer this question. <laughs> natural or unnatural, like natural hair. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. And, like plastic surgery BBLs what do you feel do you think that's you know it's for the male gaze do you think it's for the whatever and like I've finally gotten to a space in communication and dialogue where I know where I got a dog in the fight and I know when I don't that's the Mm. first thing and I think that's a hard place for a lot of men and certain privileged individuals depending on you know whatever the reason that you're more privileged than a person is uh, that'd be money, whatever, whatever. We got to get to a space to where it's like, either I don't know enough or it doesn't, It's it won't matter to me either way. Yeah. Like nothing will happen. And I think for me, that is something that I had to really get to when it comes to this conversation, because the fact of the matter is I love black women. I love black women and all the variety that they have and how they can show up. Um, but I think that I understand that that's not a love that they feel all the time. That's not a love they see all the time. If that's something they need to be reaffirmed in um, and reminded about, I understand those things. And like, I think it took, um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you're familiar with the grapevine, the show, uh, the show, the grapevine, but uh, yes. shout out, shout out to, you know what I'm saying? Ashley and uh, Donovan, cause they did such a great work with that. And, um, it was an episode where they talked about BBL culture and, and body image and various things like that. And it was something that was said that was a perspective I never thought about. And it was just like, we can't judge someone's version of self-love for themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to exactly. be, we got to really genuinely take what people are saying. That's why there's so much defensiveness in the idea of like, you know, how they see themselves and what they would like to see in the mirror. Yeah. So them, them making that choice, it might feel like, you know, it's questionable and controversial to everyone else, but they actually really may feel a lot happier about themselves. Um, exactly. And we got to give space for that. And also give space if they like, you know what? My ass before it was cool too. We got to give room because it's like, yeah, it's their choice, it's in their body, you know? And that's why I'm a big advocate of just like solo time. You know, I feel like a lot, we're just bombarded with like information and content and people all the time where when I ask people, like how often do they just sit in silence? It's astonishing how many people don't take the time to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's even more astonishing to me where there's a lot of people who have admitted to like being afraid to sit in silence. Mm-hmm. And I did an episode about this um, towards the beginning of the podcast where um someone was sharing, you know, like they don't enjoy sitting in silence because their thoughts scare them. You know what Mm. I mean? Like the thought of them sitting in silence and just like sitting with their thoughts scares them. And I was like, wow, like that is just so deep. And that just run, that runs so much deeper than anything else I could even think of because, you know, and it's true. And it's because we're not used to it, you know, and this was a younger woman and, you know, I'm, 
a cusper like Gen Z millennial or fall somewhere in the middle there. Mm. But like, you know, I still grew up <laughs> Come in an era cusper. where, you know, yeah. <laughs> I still grew up in an era where like, you know, like we played outside and we did yeah. these things and technology yeah. wasn't the main focus. So yeah. I still was raised in, in, a, in a time where it was okay to sit in silence. And now we have this new generation who only knows technology and who mm. only knows social media. Yeah. And they're constantly bombarded with all of this information and thoughts of how they should perceive themselves and how the world perceives them and all this other information that we didn't really have you know, that same type of battle growing up. So understanding that we're in a different season, right? Our battles are different. The things that we're struggling with are different. And because we have all this access to information and money and, you know, all of these things, it becomes hard to just stick to one thing. So yeah, I may have wanted a BBL, you know, five years ago and I may have gotten it, you know, but now, you know, six years down the line, I'm not really for it. So I may have gotten my implants removed or taken fat out, you know, what I thought it was before. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, we're in this era of just like trial and error and you, you try, you fail, you figure it out and you give grace to people along the way. And that's really it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think that, you know, people need to be given the space to, you know, mm-hmm. grow into whatever ways that they want to grow. Um, and it, mm-hmm. it, and I think it says more about, you know, the people who continuously question it than the people who are just going out there and getting something done that they want to get done. You know, um, yeah. self-improvement is interesting and it shows up in a lot of ways. Um, and, and just self-love is something that is a, a true journey and not just something mm-hmm. that you figure out and you'll never have to do again once you figure it out. You have to continue right. to evolve with it. Um, I think a lot of people miss that. I think that's huge. You huge. know, it's, it's an ever going process. Like people, I know people who are like, oh, like, well, when I figure it out, you know, I'll be able to make this decision or make this business move. And I'm like, baby, you will never have it figured out. Facts. <laughs> like you will not. <laughs> facts. Facts. Um, I, I thought I thought of like, you know, in terms of beauty culture, I think that the the battle is, you know, the idea of, uh, of vanity and vainness, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, for a lot of people who may not even understand the difference in the two, because you probably maybe hear those spoken in the same way. I'll give you a little definition. Vanity is the excessive pride of admiration in one's appearance, abilities or achievements. It can also refer to dressing dressing a table or bathroom cabinet with a mirror. Um, Vain, on the other hand, means having an excessively high opinion of oneself or one's appearance, abilities, or achievements, which feels like, you know, very similar things, you know? And I think it's a, a, a modality thing, you know? Like, what energy or what, you know, kind of polarity are you kind of speaking about yourself and speaking or, or, or showing up in a particular way for? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because... Vanity and, and vanity can be um, this attention and this um, this true life standard that you set for yourself. Like you want your skin to look well, you want your your nails and your and your feet to stay done. You want to appear in this certain way because it makes you feel good. It may it does something for you to know that you're catering to yourself in this way. And I think anybody and everybody can say that there's been a moment in time where you've like put that shit on. Where you went, got that, you know what I'm saying? Either got your hair cut, got your hair done, you know what I'm saying? Nails done, you know, did whatever you needed to do for whatever it is that you needed to go. If it's something special or just whatever, vacation, especially vacation. You know what I'm saying? I think everybody realized, like, damn, I look like I need to, I might need to do this a little bit more often. Like, I'm I'm on my shit, you know what I'm saying? Hence why we have so much courage and feelings and, 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 and desire when we do put that shit on. Like, it's like, yeah, oh, no, I'm about to, I'm about to probably get, I'm about to, about to pull something real nice up in here. Right. I'm about to get all this attention. I'm about to get, you know what I'm saying? About to buy me some drink. Matter of fact, get us some drink. I'm feeling good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all, on me. All that, you know? And I think that that is, um, 
by due to, you know, your vanity. Um, and I think vainness is more so, you know, this this uh this just ex- this extra scoop that's past necessary, you know? It's like look, ain't nobody said that you ugly, but like, okay, you cute. Yeah. So what? You know, it's like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. you really pushing it to us. Um, I'm not sure if that's something that you also have to consider with your own, you know, how you deal with yourself and how you communicate with these things. Cause I think that black women, especially um, out of any demographic, have to deal with this idea of vanity and vainness all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, where is it coming from? Is this motivated within yourself or outside or just outside influences that really are starting to get pressurized? You know what I'm saying? So what do you what would you say about the idea of kind of that that like, you know, polarizing aspect of vanity and vainness? Yeah, so I have a little different perspective on that. So I Please. think that vain falls under the category of vanity. Right? Okay. I feel like vanity is like a very like broad spectrum, right? Vanity is like, it can be like what in regards to like your looks or money, it can come from like narc- a narcissistic or selfish place. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like that's where like the umbrella of vanity comes from. I feel that. Under that umbrella, I feel I like, like you have like a leg, which is like the vain portion where like you're, you're just focused like in regards to your looks that that's solely focused on that aspect. And I think you made a key point where I think it really depends on the place that you're coming from. Right. Because like, for example, there's like a lot of like TikTok or social media people now who um, they do like these challenges where like they go out and they just like give strangers money and they like record it. Right. And yeah. then they post it on social media. Some people, and that's it's this very polarizing conversation. I'm not giving my perspective on, on what are that, whether I think it's wrong or right, yeah. but I think, it, people in the comments especially question where that comes from right mm-hmm. is it like a, oh like you're trying to do something nice for someone yeah. or is it because you want notoriety on social media yeah and i feel like that same concept transfers over to like vanity and that makes insane. sense like where's the place that it's coming from if you're like doing you know even in regards to plastic surgery or, or beauty like if you're doing things to please other people or to get approval from other people mm-hmm. that's a completely separate conversation than you sat with yourself and you've realized that you're genuine genuinely unhappy with this one portion of yourself and you would feel so much better if you can just change this one thing yeah. like two totally different conversations and i think where soaking lies is like you know that really figuring out the things that you want to do for yourself and you touched on like you know women needing affirmation and to be reassured and all of these things, which is very true because we have these like, you know, kind of polarizing conversations in regards mm-hmm. to like beauty and beauty standards. So, you know, to kind of bring it full circle, you know, you have to really start from within and really spend that alone time to figure out where you stand, who you are, what makes you happy, what makes you feel good. Because mm. when you feel good and, you know, whether it be like looks or, you know, you feel secure in whatever your situation is, you you walk in a completely different space. Facts. You know, you, you sit a little taller, you walk different, Facts. you communicate different. And, you know, like I said, that just comes from a completely different place. Like you're operating out of a different space. Yeah. And that makes you like untouchable. Yeah, superhuman, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. I think um, another another element to this uh, particular conversation is um, the idea of the, the male gaze and the, the, like the female gaze. Because I think that mm-hmm. when it comes to beauty, I think that the reason why I'm so intrigued by it is because I think it's interesting how beauty is marketed to men. It's, it's mm-hmm. damn near not even called beauty to men. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of just men's, men's stuff. Like men's, <laughs> it's just men's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Men's E-M-N. Stuff. Apostrophe S. <laughs> it just means that's where you get your. You got you have the beauty section over here, and there's men's over there. Mm-hmm. We got it all in. We got your deodorant. Got your aftershave. Got it all over there in that this corner. Is your aisle. There this you go. Is your just aisle. go. Get your razor. Get your razor, deodorant, and body yeah. powder in the same section. Um, <laughs> while you have like literal like 
Like I was literally in Target yesterday. You literally will have the Ulta section and then a whole Target beauty section. <laughs> you yeah. know, very, very like intentionally well lit. You know what I'm saying? Mirrors yeah. everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Little try, little try-ons, all types of shit. And uh, <laughs> I, and I think that it's interesting that like you know, because I do believe that men have this um, self consciousness. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I do think that there are a lot of things that don't get spoken of enough. And I think that's why so many men project that idea that women get surgery and such and so many things mm-hmm. for them, because yeah. I think actively as men, we choose a lot of things to do outside of ourselves for other people. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, I'm going to work out because I know women going to like this. Oh, I, I'm going to do I'm going to, you know, dr- you know, choose this type of car because I know women going to you know be impressed by this. The gaze is like, like men seek out the female gaze to validate something really deeply or not even that deeply about themselves. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? To, to, you know, prove that they're attracted to, to prove that there's desire for them to lift up their esteem in some way, shape or form, because there's, you know, some type of action and energy and, um, and vibes around them, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, while on the other hand, I think it's validation for different reasons, you know? Um, Because I think we, you know, we we, we live in we live in a, you know, definitely male dominant world. Uh, So it's kind of like getting some type of approval, Um, getting a particular level of approval. It's always this kind of like battle, this push and pull, because I think I see it all the time where women certainly will stand on a, you know, on independence, on their various, you know, things that they can control, their autonomy and all these various things. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, but I kind of want a man to lie. I want a, a nigga to slide in my DMs. Like, I want a nigga to, like, I do, I do want a moment. Like, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute since a nigga yeah. told me I was fine. Like, what the fuck am I, I'm, I'm off, you know? I've seen that. Like, y'all, you, you know, women need to know they still got it. You know what I'm saying? Because right. to I be do. undesirable does impact y'all differently than for men. Like, men actively desire it as this ego stroke, you know what I'm saying? While it feels Mm -hmm. a little bit more, you know, kind of like almost an emotional soothing for women to, like, like, hold on, like, niggas really ain't checking for me like that no more? Damn, like, what's going on? I'm offended. I'm offended. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 that it's that like conversation of you know yeah. the the value of a man being based in you know his income and the value of a woman being based in her mm-hmm. beauty. I think that that's where yeah. that comes in and why that weighs differently. But I think that you know these two ideas are so intriguing. I think that to me, I think that men actively are doing things for the male gaze and, and female gaze at a particular level. But I do believe because of the you know the country and society we live in mm-hmm. women have to do a little bit more heavy lifting with that but tell me what tell me what your perspective is on that idea of male and female gaze absolutely like we we can't ignore that the beauty standards for men and women are completely different but on the contrary like i think that like the, the male and women gaze is very interesting because yeah. i feel like even like when you're going out and you're getting just you're dressed up to go out or whatever right yeah Men men dress for the attention of women, yeah. right? So men typically wear, you know, something like, you know, flashy or clean yeah. or small good, which you should, you know what I mean? So, like, men get dressed up for the attention of men. And ironically enough, I think women get dressed up for the attention of women, not even men. Uh. I could be wrong. But even, like, for example, if I'm out, right, and my man is like, oh, like, baby, you look so good. I'm like, oh, thank you, thank you. But let me go out and, and, a, and a female, a strange female woke up to me, like, girl, you look so good. I'd be like, oh. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it mean, it's like it means a little more because it's like she knows the process of what it took to get here. Yeah. You know, like, 
I think men don't really understand the full process. Like, oh, like, you know, she's got a little hair and a little makeup on. Yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Fun. That's cute. Yeah. Like, I don't think men understand to the depth that went into this. You know, this and this female might be like, oh my gosh, like I can see her contour and her highlight. Oh, and those are wand curls and there's some hairspray there. And mm-hmm. like, because we understand the process more, yeah. we come from like a different level of appreciation. Facts. So, you know, it's like men dress up for the attention of women, but like women dress for the attention of like men and women, so to speak. So that just adds like the weight of the beauty standard because it's mm-hmm. like we're, look, we're trying to look good for everybody. Facts. You know? Facts. You know what I'm saying? You want to compliment when you wear them tabbies outside. You know what I'm saying? You put them tabby boots right. on. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you, you want somebody saying? to recognize these because <laughs> exactly. your boyfriend was, was checking them like, girl, why you got this look, you know, you got this split between your toes. Um, right. It's like, I think I look cute. Right. I, I, I think that that, you know, no, that's kind of how I thought about it forever and I think that um, it's an interesting thing because I think that a lot of men need to understand that they need to do more for themselves and want more for themselves in terms of how they care for themselves because benefit is it benefits you first <laughs> you, you, right. you you staying exactly. up on your you know your your person having a high standard with your personal hygiene means that you're going to have a higher standard with your personal health and wellness means you're going to have a higher standard on like how that looks and how that shows up because now you want to protect that you know what i'm saying so if you are drinking water and you are doing all these things your body feels in a certain type of way you want to make sure that everything else looks good externally too let me me get a haircut let me get this let me let me make sure all these things are staying together you know and i think that uh it's unfortunate that especially for men that it's became like a, a, a like a, a judgment on your character to care about mm-hmm. your you know your your hygiene and care about the standards of how you show up in those aesthetic aesthetical ways uh yeah like it, it's ta- it's terrible it's sad you know what i'm saying like because it's like it's like you you should I care wanna, i don't want to cut i don't want to cut i don't want to cut you but i think yeah. that's very interesting primarily because like we know that this self care movement is very new for men right self care beauty all of these things have always yeah. been marketed to women traditionally sure. but now we have this like rise of men actually caring about what they look like like yeah. for example like back in the day like you know men worked you were the breadwinner yeah. that was your main thing so as long as you had a haircut and you could go to work that was fine that was you know, it your, your nails may be messed up hands oily all cracked feet not looking right you know what i mean like all toe up from the flow up not drinking water the way that you should not eating well snacking during the day like, i feel like that was okay back then yeah right but now where we have transitioned into this space where i don't want to say men want to be more soft because that's not what i'm trying to say no no, no, no. you can say you can use those words though because i think that okay. that is i think like, that is Technically, what it is. No, I get what you mean. Look, look, I don't give a damn because you, you. That's the only way I would describe it too. It's like because because it's it's what you're doing is you know a matter of like showing compassion to yourself, like nurturing yourself in some way, shape, or form. So you got to slow down. You got to care about the thing. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it's certain things that you're gonna have to do and pay attention to that aren't quote unquote seen as manly you know what I'm saying like yes. checking your skin in particular ways buying particular products you know like just being in front of the Get mirror yeah just being right. in front of the okay. mirror for a certain certain amount of time <laughs> like men, men don't check yeah. out themselves that often they don't they don't sit there and get you know all deep in and try to you know get something out they, they might do that to, to shave and then they have to they brush your teeth and they have to, they back out the mirror, you know what I'm saying? But like tending to yourself, caring about those things, they've made it into they've they've made it into something else. And I think that's on purpose. I think it's it's a matter of like, how can we keep men in this box of you know low emotionality, 
low expression. Yeah. All those various things. I think it's just social engineering. If they care about their they care about their face, they care about their body, they care about their wellness, they care about their mind, they're gonna probably make better decisions over over time exactly. if they care that much. So let's just take all that shit away. Let's just make it let's make let's call it gay. That's what gay men do. Exactly. They they yes. care about their skin. They care it's about this part labels. of them. That's that's not what you. That's feminine. That's that's don't do that. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You need to just get the little you know dial soap. Hit it with that. Wash your face with Dove. Wash your face with Dove. Put Queen Helene uh, cocoa butter lotion on your on your face and get out the house and go build a house. You know what I'm saying? That is all you need to do yeah. as a man. You feel me? And it's mm-hmm. like, none of this feels good, though. None of this feels right. Yeah. None of this is nurturing to who you are. Because I feel good about how I yeah. do my things. And, like, I've noticed that that's usually what it is. It is a softening. When I have, like, yes. like I said on your pod, like, when my friends come over and they see what's in my cabinet, or they see what I got going on, if they or if they stay with me the whole day, they're going to see me do mm-hmm. things to be like, damn, why you do that? Why you do this? Why you do that? Why you going and buy this? Yeah. How often do you do this? Why do you have this? Like, I literally had, I had a guest over and, and she was just like, damn, like, I'm, like, this might sound weird, but where you get your water from? I was like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I, I think I talked to you about that. So it's yeah, like just <laughs> being, being selective about these things because it's like, I care. I care about my body. I care about these, like how my body is going to like show up in the world. So why wouldn't I like, and I care about it from me first. And and when, if it does, you know, do something for the male gaze in terms of me getting respect or people treat me a certain type of way, like, oh, this who this dude, you know what I'm saying? And if it does for, mm-hmm. from, the, from the female gaze, like make me more attractive, cool. But understand, yeah. I did it for me. <laughs> and like right. you, you can enjoy it, spectate it, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, I did this shit for me first you know what I'm saying and and I think that goes and I I think that goes back to like what we were saying before even about women like when you feel good about yourself you know and you and you look good you feel good you operate from a different space and when you have a man that's taking care of himself and he looks good he feels good it it allows him to kind of slow down and take that you know deeper level of now you know checking on his emotional intelligence and spiritual intellect and all of these other things that create him into this like new person Person. And I think for some people that's threatening, right? Yeah. Because like, for example, at least as a female, when you're, you know, dating a man or you're with a man whose sole purpose is to provide, you don't have to go deep, you know, and work on traumas and, and try and become a better person of yourself. We, we both have our roles and, and we get it, right? But then when you have a man who's emotionally intelligent, who's going to question you and challenge you, some people may find that threatening. Yeah. That's why there's this agenda against, you know, men, Stay that way. you know, being able to, exactly, you know, because it, it, it can be a scary thing, yeah. you know. It changes the 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 the, the, di- the gender dynamic that we've conceived in our minds, and it challenges these societal norms. Yeah. That I don't think people are ready for. But it's the reason why so many women be be unfulfilled when they get a person on paper that has everything they need. You know, like this yep. man is showing up in you know this very patriarchal provider, you know, um, protector type of way, which is like just the standard for you. Then also yeah. he may have this great personality, cool. But there's a certain level of like just lack of depth that you can't get to with him because he's just figured out a way to just kind of just exist and show up in that particular level of value. And that's it. And now you're trying to figure out why y'all are not getting deeper, why you don't care about all these serious things that are, you know, kind of coming up as, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, this is the time you guys been together for a year. Y'all haven't started trying to make no babies. Y'all haven't started doing this, whatever, whatever. 
and you realize like you haven't gotten enough out of him to feel like you can go deeper with him. And it's been that way the whole time. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. you was riding away. You was riding that way. It was late. Y'all was going on cute right. trips. You know what I'm saying? Doing your thing. Feeling like every from outside looking at everybody was like, you're living the dream, girl. You know? Mm-hmm. And But you're unfulfilled. And I can understand the shame in being like, hey, y'all, I kind of don't like my man. And like they be like, okay. you are <laughs> you ungrateful. Yeah. <laughs> like you got one right. of the good ones, you did this, you did that. But it's because Exactly. I think that when because men are, you know, lacking in emotionality, that it then puts this interesting like responsibility or opportunity for women to now control the levels of emotionality yeah. in a relationship. You know what I'm saying? If a woman is yeah. is is not wanting to get that deep and wanting to kind of stay close to the surface and like let's say just call it just play games that man is not going to push her past that he might actually like her he don't want her to date other people all that but he's he's not going he's not going to hate though he's not going to play he going to let you he's going to be like no nah, you single you do whatever you want to do in the back of his mind he's like no nah, I really want to be with you you the only one I'm really yeah. fucking around on right now and so mm-hmm. but you but I ain't about to tell you to to calm that down cuz it's only been right. 3 4 months type shit you know mm-hmm. but it, for you, it's like you already have made it up in your mind. Like, I, I, yeah, I like him, but I don't want to. I don't, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to put more into this. I'm not trying to put more emotionality into this because then he. What if he give it back? <laughs> I don't know if I can handle if he give it back to me. And yeah. so there's a there's a picking and choosing on that. And I think that's an interesting thing. But I think we deserve as men and women to be able to meet people that we feel genuinely emotionally compatible with and that we can reach a different level of depth with each other because that's what's yeah. going to make it last that's what's going to make all right. things make sense in the end you know it's not going to make romantic sense romantic or platonic relationships that's everything like friendships family everything you know we have to go deeper and i was talking to a friend about this the other day you know how like i feel like this surface level concept has become so normalized because like social media in particular has made it seem that you know building deeper connections is bad right it's, it's yeah. toxic culture you know yeah. hurt all this thing like toxicity is being perpetuated so heavily nowadays you know and it's like how do we kind of reel it in and kind of get back to the foundations you know get back to the roots of things you know we're nurturing and culturing and fostering healthy mutually beneficial relationships yeah. because like we as humans we were literally built for community thanks so thanks it's just how do we get back there that's that's a great fundamental question it, how do we and i think you know Like I said, it starts with you. And I think that you are doing a hell of a job in getting people, presenting something to people for them to tend to themselves and get into themselves. You know what I'm saying? I got to put my order in, by the way. I got to do that today. Um, Because I I want to get some silking going, you know what I'm saying? Um, But no, let us uh, get into this last segment. I like to call the Send It On. Right now, you should be able to hear a little bit of, you know, the sounds of D'Angelo in the background. I do. My send it it on for uh, today is um, uh, a skincare question yet again. Uh, What is a skincare tip that changed your life? I'm going to give you one too. Ooh, that changed my life. So I have two because they go hand in hand. Okay. One is de- detoxing your skin. I talk about it all that time. That's mm. why we have the mask. Come you know, on. People don't detox their skin regularly enough. You know, we're in like polluted air. We're not eating right. All of these things. Detoxing your skin, top tier. Second one, chemical exfoliants instead of like physical exfoliants. Like I okay. remember when like St. Ives was like the trend and people were using rock filled. Yeah, like mm-hmm. exfoliants in it. 
physical exfoliants not good for the skin they do a lot more da- damage to your skin barrier than any good mm. so stick to like a light chemical exfoliants that really help your skin barrier on a chemical level not yeah. just like something abrasive and physical yeah okay okay uh mine is probably even simpler than both of those it's not even that technical <laughs> is uh but i love that though uh and I think it was washing my hands before I washed my face. Oh, huge. Um, yes. And I don't know. And I like it may be common sense to a lot of people, but I don't think I was actively thinking about it in that way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, if I'm about to touch my face and also going hand in hand with that, not touching my face as much, you know, yes, like after the wash, huge. after the, you know, after I've just applied some sunscreen, literally allow my face to just be <laughs> for the rest of the yeah. day instead of like forever tapping myself or having any type of, you know, really being disciplined and like not having to touch my face for any reason. Also not letting somebody else touch your face, but washing your hands um, whenever you do anything, if you before you mask, if you're, you know, doing any type of like, you know, hair removal or trimming, um, any of those things, make sure that you, if you're about to touch your face to disinfect your hands. Um, Cause that, that alone can like lead to so many different things. You don't know what you get into. You don't know what's under your nails. You don't know. And then you yeah. you get a breakout and you're trying to figure out if it was something you ate, whatever, whatever. No, it was topical. It was it was you put yeah. something that wasn't supposed to be there on it and like it sat and it, it was what it exactly. was. Um because you know, things go away, things need to be reapplied, all those different things. So mm-hmm. yeah, no. I bacteria it. is invisible, so you won't be able to see it. Like I think people don't Come realize on. that. Like you don't see like bacteria and stuff like that. It just happens to be there. So that's great. <laughs> that's so good. I appreciate that. That was a good one. That was a good one. And a nice little product placement. I like that. So please, 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 Erica, let everyone know exactly where they can follow you, how they can keep up with you, where they can purchase some silk and products, mm-hmm. all the things. If you want to learn more about Silken, you can go to silkenco.com. That's S-I-L-K-E-N-N-C-O.com. Mm. And you can follow us on Instagram at silkenco. Um, and if you want to take things a step further and follow us, uh, follow the podcast at Behind the Silk Pod on Instagram. And we just have conversations about beauty, self-care, wellness, and becoming the best version of ourselves. And if you have any interest in me, I mean, you could follow me at the Erica Nicole. Come on. And I think that's everything. <laughs> that's, you are a natural girl. I swear, I am, I am a fan. I am true. Your fan, um, I, I, you can see all of these things um, to stay in, t- in touch with Erica as well as Silken in the description of this episode. Um, I truly, truly appreciate you for giving me your time, girl. I, I like this exchange. We got this is a great, this is a great, you know what I'm saying? Meeting in meeting of the minds that we just did, you know. Um, shout out to was it Podmesh that uh, I think you guys found me on? Yeah, um, I think that was it. Yeah, Podmesh done brought me some good people. I ain't gonna hold you. Done brought me some good folks. They do a little something. They do yeah. a little something. They do a little something. You know what I'm saying? Um, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much. And um, I really do believe that you're doing something that's really great work and that's really creative as hell, having really dope conversations um, with really dope people about a lot of things that need to be spoken to. Um, and I think the pathway of, you know, self-care and inner deeper, you know, self-evaluation, being led by someone who's into skincare, who's thinking about this all the time, um, is a beautiful conversation to start with. You know what I'm saying? I think that that's what I mean by like, 
there's certain voices that we do need. So no, there aren't enough podcasts. There do there are needs to be certain ones that are gonna tell you certain conversations because you can't have every conversation everywhere, even though people try. Right. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. I thank you, thank you, thank you. If you don't know, you should know. You can follow me everywhere at Kings underscore memoirs. Make sure you follow the podcast at Simply King Pod. Uh, make sure you follow my business page at Life is King as well. Um, for any of your digital marketing and creative production needs. Uh, my bookings are open, so come come get some. You know what I'm saying? Come get some of this consult. You feel me? Um, especially going into Q4. I know y'all going to need something to finish you off right. So I appreciate you, appreciate you, appreciate you. Um, this has been the Soulfully Conscious Podcast for humans, simply being humans. I've been Rodney Perry. This has been Erica Parker of Silken. And this has been Simply King. Peace. I've ever made in my life permanent ecstasy. Put that on my